Welcome to the May 17th edition of the Sports on Point podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Smith. And I'm John Zavarelli. And we're joined in the studio today by our producer, Bob Severns. That's right. How you doing, guys? We're going to get started off talking about This Week in Sports. This is a section where we're going to cover our top stories from every day of the past week, and our hosts are going to give a short comment on each of our days. We're starting off with Monday. Dallas Cowboys swap Bobby Carpenter for St. Louis Rams tackle Alex Barron. What do you think, John? I can't really believe this is one of the top stories of the day. Um, I didn't know the Dallas Cowboys or St. Louis Rams had this big of a fan base that they would make it the biggest story of the day. I Actually, I didn't even know about this. I just learned about this right now. Yeah, uh, Barron is ranked as the 70th best left tackle, according to uh, ProFootballFocus.com. Carpenter's the 47th best inside linebacker. I guess uh, I guess this is a story. I'm not really sure what to, where to take this. I'm not sure what to think either. Let's move on to Tuesday. The NBA approves the sale of the New Jersey Nets to uh, Russian billionaire Prokhorov. What do you think? Yeah, this guy has a 200-foot yacht that he can't use because it makes him seasick. And when asked in an interview, he didn't even know where it was. Anybody who can lose a 200-foot yacht has to be interesting. He may be even better than Mark Cuban. I'm right with Matt on that one. I think he's going to be a, a good owner. He's going to. I think he'll be a hands-on owner, kind of like Mark Cuban. Uh, maybe not not as annoying though. Moving on to Wednesday, perfect weather as the New York Giants and Jets bid for the 2014 Super Bowl venue. Meadowlands Stadium CEO Mark Lamping says, "As I look outside, we could have not have gotten more perfect weather." John. I don't think the Super Bowl should be played anywhere other than a dome. I don't think the weather should play into the championship game at all well the history of professional football is built on big games bad weather but times have really changed i'm not really sure what the fans are going to think when they watch a snow-covered super bowl in a seven to three final score moving along to thursday the field of dreams farm in iowa is for sale in dyersville iowa don and becky lansing owners of the site where the movie was filmed are selling this piece of cinematic and fictional sports history for the tidy sum of 5.4 million dollars what do you think matt well, I don't think a property in Iowa has ever sold for $5.4 million. I may be wrong there. I, I also don't think there's any, any odds that the new owner of this property is going to grow anything on this farm. I'm with Matt on this one. I don't really see the, the relevance of this being a $5.4 million home. I mean, I do think it's a, it's, it should be a historical landmark from a movie, maybe, but that's about, that's about it. Moving along to Friday. President Obama thinks that LeBron James would look great in a Chicago Bulls uniform. Obama, I would, I would, I can see why he would, he would say that. He's from Chicago, so I mean, I don't blame him for saying that. I think he probably should focus on something other than commenting on where LeBron James should play, though. Yeah, he said in the interview that he doesn't want to tamper. The president thinks you would make a good bull. Yeah, that's tampering. Sorry, guy. Moving on to Saturday. Lakers coach Phil Jackson fires Salvo and uh, says that the Suns' Steve Nash carries the ball. What do you think, Matt? I think Jackson's just being clever here. He's trying to trying to criticize the referees without criticizing the referees. This is a ploy to manipulate. It's, it's what he always does. If anything, uh, this is a sign of respect uh, for Steve Nash because he really feels like he has to have the refs on his side against this guy. Well, in baseball they say it's Manny being Manny. I think this is a case of Phil being Phil. Moving on to yesterday, the Los Angeles Lakers, Andrew Bynum, uh, they say that that right knee injury is only getting worse. I think maybe they should 
sit him out for the first half of the season and then play in the second half of the season, then he might be ready to go for the playoffs because it seems like every year the same thing happens. Yeah, they're saying he's actually going to see the court in this series. I think it's a mistake. He's not going to be able to keep up with the Suns. I mean, he's not going to run up and down the uh, run up and down the court with them. He's going to be a non-factor. That's been our week in sports. Now we're moving along to our main points. Now this section is where we discuss three major topics in sports this week, and our hosts are going to give their opinions on each topic. So main point number one. LBJ's future, we kind of touched on this a little bit earlier. With free agency looming, uh, could LeBron James be heading to Chicago? Well, in my opinion, I think Chicago is probably the number one spot that he would go. I think that Chicago has a solid young team with Derrick Rose, who can be a legitimate number two man. They have Noah, who's uh, growing into a really good big man. You can give him solid minutes, solid stats. I think that as opposed to him going to Chicago and being in the shadow of Michael Jordan, I think what better way to go to Chicago and try to break everything that Michael Jordan did, because he compares himself to Michael Jordan so much, I think it would be good for him. I mean, it's big risk, big reward. Uh, There was also rumors that John Calipari has interest in going to Chicago, and there are some ties with LeBron James and Calipari as far as being friends, and also Calipari may go there because he wants to coach his his ex-player in Derrick Rose. Yeah, Chicago's uh, got to be atop the list of possible destinations. I don't know. There's there's teams that have more cap space. Uh, the Jets, I think, would ha- or the sorry, the Nets would have a uh, have enough free cap space, I think, to sign LeBron and possibly another uh, another top tier guy. I think they also have an opportunity uh, to get the first pick in the NBA draft and maybe bring in a John Wall, somebody else uh, that uh, LeBron has kind of tutored through the through the college season this year. All in all, I think it's still only about a 50-50 chance that he leaves Cleveland at all, so it's hard to really peg a favorite on where he's going um, if he does leave. I pretty much think if he's gonna, if he's, if any city he's gonna leave thirty million dollars on the table to go to, I think it would be Chicago. I mean, I can see the New Jersey thing. I just don't know if he's gonna wants to play in New York for two years before they move over to Brooklyn. But either way, I think I, I think he could possibly go to stay with the Cavs, but I think the Bulls have just as good a shot as the Cavs at this point. There you have it. Point number two, Brian Cushing keeps the Defensive Rookie of the Year award after a revote by the AP. Matt? Yeah, the AP took a look at this uh, Defensive Rookie of the Year award this year, and they decided that um, maybe with the suspension coming up for Brian Cushing's violation of the banned substance policy in the NFL, maybe they should take a, a look at uh, whether they make the right decision when they when they voted to give him the award. If you take a look back at the numbers uh, for the for the time period that we're talking about, he tested positive in the month of September. If you take a look at his stats for the month of September, he was averaging a little over eight tackles a game, no sacks, a couple tackles for loss, really nothing out of line with what he did for the entire remainder of the season. I don't know that you can look back at this and say, oh, he very obviously got an unfair advantage from these uh, from these drugs that he was taking. That combined with the fact that the the drug that he tested positive for was actually more of a masking agent than a performance-enhancing drug. I think it's fair for the uh, uh, AP to go back and take a look and say, hey, there's there's a haze covered over this whole issue, so maybe we need to take another look. Ultimately, though, I think... I think when you look at the numbers, I think that uh, he is your defensive rookie of the year, and the voting came out that way, although in a much less decided fashion. I don't even think they should have re-voted here. 
for a couple reasons. I mean, I think if anything, if you're going to suspend him and you're going to revote, then don't even have him as one of the players to revote on. He shouldn't even be included. Also, with that being said, Julius Peppers back in 2002 won the award and he actually got suspended for pretty much the same thing late at the end of the season. So, I mean, I, I don't think this is a big issue as far as having to revote. I don't think it should have been done. I think it should have just been left the way it was or just completely cut him out of the running for it. Yeah, I can I can see that point. The big difference here I think is is when Peppers tested positive, they knew that when they were making the vote. At this point in time, you just you find out new information about the candidates and you just got to you got to go back and take a look at it over again. I think the AP did the right thing here. All right, main section number 3. The uh, Flyers NHL playoff comeback win. How does that rank amongst all-time comebacks? Well, what I did was I took a look at the the three other series that teams came back from 3-0 deficits, and I kind of made a just a, the, uh, obviously a short little list of how I ranked it. I don't think the Flyers was the best of all time. I think it, it may be tied for fourth, or th- I'm sorry, tied for third. The first one I had was the Boston Red Sox. I have that one as the all-time. One, they did it against the Yankees, their arch nemesis. They, it being said that it was the thing that broke the curse. In Game 3, they were they lost 19-8, to and they were down in the ninth inning of Game 4 before coming back to win that one. The Islanders, actually Toronto, I would say, would be the second one. They came back in 1942, beat the Red Wings. This was in the Stanley Cup Finals. So just being that, being in the Stanley Cup Finals, I think that that ranks at number 2. Uh, the one that I would say would be a tie would be, I'd say, the Islanders and the Flyers. Right now, the Flyers, if they go on to win it, they can get number three. But as far as the Islanders winning it, they did come back from 3-0 down, and then they proceeded to lose in the next round. So, I mean, it, it wasn't. It was good that they came back, but then they didn't really capitalize on it. Yeah, interesting about the 1975 Islanders. They actually they went down 0-3, came back and won. And like you said, they went down 0-3 again. Uh, couldn't quite pull off the comeback the second time. I think where this ranks in relation to some of these other series is is going to depend on how the Flyers perform from here on out in the playoffs. If they go on to win the Stanley Cup, I think it's it's on a similar level to the to the Red Sox winning the World Series. Although I don't I, I don't know that you can compare it one apples to apples because the the uh, Boston Red Sox definitely had that ongoing curse that they had to shake off. Uh, so I, I think we're I think we're probably agreeing it's probably number three overall. But uh, but uh, only time will tell to see even really if it's better than the Islanders were. I can agree with that as far as what they do from here on out. They are a number seven seed in the playoffs. So I mean they can with. If they win the whole Stanley Cup, I mean, being a number seven seed, that's quite an accomplishment. And having that 3-0 comeback is, and as far as the 3-0 comeback, they also had they were down 3-0 in the first period of that game seven, and they came back from that and took it in the third period, four to three. So it's it's pretty impressive. I just don't have it on top of the list. Now we're moving on to our closing arguments section. So we're going to go to closing argument number one. This section, our hosts are going to present their closing argument as in a court case. And it can be about anything on their mind this week. Uh, There are no rebuttals or comments allowed, and they have uh, two minutes that are going to be timed. You, the listener, will then vote on who presented the best closing argument. So first we're going to have John present his closing argument, and then I'll start the timer. John. Well, my argument for this week is I think that sports should actually soften up their stance on performance-enhancing drugs. I think they should be actually called performance maintaining drugs 
Um, basically, I think that these seasons are going longer and longer. The NFL is actually talking about expanding to 17 or 18 games. With the new players coming in, as far as the college players, most of them players are only used to playing 11, 11 games a season, 11, 12 games a season. You get to the pros, you're, pay, you're going to be playing 18 games a season. Colleges have at least two weeks off sometimes. They have many bye weeks during the season. NFL has one bye week. These players are going to get hurt. They're going to get messed up. I mean, they're just going to get more injuries. Their careers are going to get cut shorter and shorter. I think that, I mean, in a good way, I'm not condoning just taking steroids, and but control it. Change the policies and make it so it's, it's something where it prevents injuries. It doesn't allow injuries to go on. I mean, as far as getting back from injuries quicker, I mean, we're not trying to... I don't want a player that can bench press 400 pounds or run a, a 4-4-40. I want him to be able to, at all times, run a 4-4-40 or bench press 400 pounds. I don't... I think it's it's a good idea to maybe look over these policies and see exactly maybe we should lighten up and soften up a little bit. Yeah, we're going to go to our closing argument uh, number two. Matt, what's your closing argument? I want to take some time to talk a little bit about um, this new trend that I'm noticing in the NBA. Uh, with free agency, uh, it, it looks like teams are actually getting rid of head coaches uh, in favor of allowing superstars that they're trying to lure to their teams to to essentially pick their coach. Um, I mean, we've been talking about the 2010 NBA free agency market really ever since 2006 when LeBron, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, they all opted for shorter contracts so that they could kind of test the market earlier, uh, you know, get longer max term deals for, for more money and hopefully maximize their income over the, the period of their career. But um, the, the part about it that really came up odd was this season when all the teams that were in contention, uh, a fair amount of them just started dumping coaches. Um, we're talking about Chicago, we're talking about New Jersey, we're talking about the Clippers, and uh, even Cleveland, um, maybe without a head coach before too much longer. Uh, it's, it's really kind of showing you the power that the NBA player has in their league. Uh, unprecedented, really, in any other sport. You don't see... You don't see um, free agent linebackers in the NFL determining who their head coach is going to be, or even defensive coordinator for that matter. Uh, the, the amount of power that a superstar in the NBA have is really unprecedented uh, amongst professional sports in the United States. All right, well, this has been Sports on Point, and now it's your chance as the audience. You get to vote for your winning closing argument. You can send a direct tweet to our podcast at twitter.com slash sportsonpoint. And as always, you can send your suggestions on how we can improve the show to feedback at sportsonpoint.com. 